I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the news du jour, a calmer space to consume the news. So today is a super interesting news day. There is a lot of breaking news, and I can't wait to go over it with you guys. However, I wanted to issue the same reminders. If you guys have been listening all this week, you've already heard this, and you can skip past it. But we have three reminders this week of important things that are going on. First and foremost, the second Republican debate is tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time. I will be watching for us and reporting back as always. As of now, Trump will not be participating in this debate. Our second reminder is that the House Oversight Committee will begin its impeachment inquiry into President Biden on Thursday tomorrow. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted on that as that is super important as well. And lastly, the deadline for Congress to find a way to compromise and agree on a budget is this Saturday. If they don't meet that deadline, the U.S. government will shut down. And we will have more on that later in this episode as a longer story. We're going to talk about all the ins and outs of why this is going on and how it might play out. So stay tuned for that. But before we jump into that, we have to talk about Trump's fraud case. So, of course, right as we were headed up to record this episode, Trump was found liable for fraud by a judge in New York. So let's talk about this. So long before any of these criminal, you know, inquiries into President Trump were beginning, there was a civil case that was ongoing led by Letitia James and basically What she was accusing the Trump administration or the Trump organization of was basically inflating property values so they could secure bank loans for higher amounts. So, for example, uh, the Trump organization might say that certain properties were valued at a much higher dollar amount and because the bank would then think they had this, you know, huge asset they could afford to give to loan the Trump organization more money. So this basically went on for years and years. It is something somewhat of an open secret. I feel like it was something that people knew he was doing. And then when it came time for taxes, he would devalue all of the properties and say, oh, we're only worth this much, you know, and report losses so that he wouldn't have to pay taxes. So little maneuvers like that can actually save people millions and millions of dollars. And so um, we're going to go through what exactly this means. So again, like I said, this went you know, to press as soon as I was going up to record. So this is kind of like a rough cut of everything. And we'll go over everything again tomorrow in much more detail. But the judge found that Trump overstated his worth between 
$812 million and $2.2 billion over what he is actually worth. His New York business certificates will be canceled because of this ruling, which means Trump cannot practice business in the state of New York anymore. And that is honestly the end of an era. And it's certainly going to affect Trump's finances. Trump and his team of lawyers plan to appeal. But before that, there will be a trial beginning on October 2nd. So coming right up where Letitia James will have to prove damages here. But this ruling definitely is going to make that job easier for her. Like I said, this hurts Trump's abilities to make money. And also a lot of his assets are tied up in this company. So I'm assuming he will have to liquidate those. I'm not totally sure there, but that's something that we'll definitely dive into more in detail tomorrow. Like what are the financial ramifications here for the Trump family? Trump's sons, Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, were both also found to be working in conjunction with this scheme. The judge pointed out one specific instance where Trump put on financial documents that his penthouse was three times the square footage that it actually was, and this resulted in an overvaluation of two hundred by $207 million. So, That is $207 million he was claiming he had that he straight up did not have. And Trump is someone who works in real estate. He would certainly know how big his own apartment is. Maybe someone might be off by a few feet, but not a multiple of three. We'll definitely have more details for you guys tomorrow on the implications of all this. So stay tuned and we'll cover the trial as well. Next up for today, in a historical move, Biden joins the picket line. So to me, this might be the most powerful thing that Joe Biden has done in politics in his entire career. Maybe this is the emotional piece that he's been missing that moves people to really connect with him because... Obviously, we all know there's been a distinct lack of that in his campaign. You know, people, even Democrats, are struggling to really, like, connect to his agenda, to who he is. Biden has always been extremely pro-worker, pro-union. This is reflected in his voting history, in the fact that unions have endorsed him, and in his general rhetoric. It's always reflected this. Now, these particular unions have not endorsed him this time around or for president, but in the past in campaigns, he has been endorsed by unions. He loves talking about the unions, and I feel like we can all tell that it's very genuine. I mean, he just is really into it. So, He's putting his feet where his mouth is, so to speak, and standing by the auto workers in their strike physically. He will be making history as the very first president ever to physically join a picket line alongside average Joes and union leaders. Honestly, I kind of have chills from it, you guys. This is the move that you know, kind of says who Biden is as a person. It aligns and it could be a really powerful image. We'll see what comes out of it. 
a U.S. president standing with the average American with blue collar workers, you know, it really could be powerful. He was invited by Sean Fain, who is the president of United Automobile Workers, who are obviously leading the strike. The auto workers have not endorsed Biden, like I said, in this presidential race, largely because of his support for electric vehicles. But Biden is actually looking for ways to transition traditional auto workers into helping build electric vehicles. So maybe this work together with Biden could be an opening for him to hear them out and help address some of their concerns going forward with new public policy or shifted rhetoric. But of course, we have to talk about Donald Trump's reaction to this. So Donald Trump will be headed to Michigan himself very soon. They have these back to back trips happening and he is reacting very intensely to this move by Biden. Obviously, Trump is a symbol of big corporations and big money, but he's also somehow always resonated with the working class. So he definitely feels threatened by this move, and he took to Truth Social to write, quote, Remember, he wants to take your jobs away and give them to China and other foreign countries. I will keep your jobs and I will make you rich, end quote. And of course, this was in his signature, all caps. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what, if anything, Trump does while he's in Michigan to fire back. We'll definitely keep you guys posted. Okay, next up. So the time has come, y'all. We have to talk about a government shutdown. So as we talked about, a government shutdown is definitely looming. And I would like you guys to think of this subject as not something that should be feared, but something you should be aware of. If a shutdown happens, again, it would be this Saturday. It will likely affect things like our economy. You know, stocks may take a little hit from this. But overall, do not let anyone trick you into thinking that this is the end of the world somehow. The government has actually shut down four times in the past decade, and you probably felt little to no impact from it. That said, it is definitely not a good look for anyone on Capitol Hill. It looks like they're babies who cannot function, who cannot find ways to work together. And, you know, it shows they're struggling to get along, even in the most basic ways. So as a reminder, this conflict is really with the far right. Centralized Republicans and Democrats are pretty much in agreement on the budget. But a few characters on the far right have drum up enough support to essentially boycott this budget. So why are they doing this? Well, it all comes down to the fine print. You see, budgets can actually get a little bit partisan in the sense that leaders are choosing where to put our hard-earned money and dollars. And this budget includes things like funding for Ukraine, among other things that the far right are just not interested in funding any longer. And so that is sort of one of the big pieces that this standstill is about. But basically, little pieces like that, like whether we're going to fund Ukraine, are what they are hung up on. And everybody else is kind of in agreement on these subjects. A government shutdown also means that government workers do not get paid, meaning people like TSA workers and Capitol Hill staffers and many, many more government organizations basically stay home until Congress can get a move on. So it's definitely a bad look for everyone, very unprofessional. 
But especially for the people who are specifically going out of their way to hold things up. There's also always an option to pass a sort of stopgap bill that would basically keep things open and running temporarily, like, you know, kicking the football down the field. Um, But Matt Gates seems to be particularly against such a measure, saying that it would only prolong the inevitable, when really what it does is it gives people time to come to the table and figure things out, which by the way, they have to do to have a functioning country and economy. So eventually people have to come to the table. And I feel like, you know, that is probably the best move. But again, it's being held up. Also a big factor in all of this is the fact that Republicans have a very, very narrow margin in the House. If they had a bigger majority with more like centralized characters, this small number of representatives would not be able to hold things up the way they are right now. They wouldn't have the votes to basically take the whole government hostage. But this narrow majority is really facilitating their power grab here. McCarthy is also afraid of pissing people off. If you guys remember, he was elected speaker after a lot of pushback from the far right. So and he wants to keep his job. So he's having to at least pretend to take everyone seriously, which is putting him in hot water with his voters and with everyone else on the Hill. Frankly, he's between a rock and a hard place. And that is complicating matters, too. As you're looking for people to vote for, I think it is important to look for people who are diplomatic, who can work with anyone, who can get along with people, because that is the type of leader who can get things done on Capitol Hill and keep things moving. Because at the end of the day, these people have to earn each other's trust and respect in order to get anything passed. And we actually have a president right now who was known as kind of the king of that. He was able to walk into almost anyone's office on the Hill and sit down for a chat. Um, He was welcome everywhere and he really led with respect for so many years. Let's hope that he can help us now navigate this tricky impasse. They have four days left and they're up against the clock. We'll definitely keep you guys posted. And then I'm going to sneak in one more very short story for you guys. The U.S. government sues Amazon. So as of yesterday, the U.S. government has now sued Amazon for similar reasons to their lawsuit against Google, you guys. And that really means that there is real movement happening following those congressional hearings. Thank God. They are accusing Amazon of creating an illegal monopoly by using business tactics to stifle competition. Again, very similar to what they're suing Google for. They were sued by the Federal Trade Commission as well as 17 different states. So this is standing to be a huge case. We will definitely be, you know, watching with a vat of popcorn and reporting back to you guys every step of the way as these two titans duke it out. We'll definitely keep you guys posted. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote. Sometimes the end and the beginning are the same place. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at it's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.